Hey everyone, welcome back to Sabbath 101. My name is Derek and I work with InterVarsity in Prince George, British Columbia. Alongside my co-workers Alan and Terry, we are exploring Sabbath as rest, worship, and delight on this podcast. Today we're talking about Sabbath as freedom from enslaving, how practicing Sabbath might actually let us restore some rest and delight to others. It's essential to note, Sabbath isn't just about us. So how can it be for others? Sabbath 101, it might be the most important course you take in university. A few weeks ago, we looked at Deuteronomy 5, where the Ten Commandments are laid out. About Sabbath, the writer notes that, On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Written in bold letters, God is saying, Don't be like Egypt! Change the script. Out of their experience of slavery, Israel is commanded to carve out a different way of being than those who ruled over them. The Sabbath day is meant not only as a blessing to them, but also for their animals, their kids, their servants, foreigners, everyone and everything. They are called not to rid other people and creation of their God-given dignity. Their God's command of Sabbath is meant to be something that blesses everyone. But what does that look like for us? How can our Sabbath be not only a means of freeing us from slavery, but a means of freeing us from enslaving others. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't have a donkey, but I definitely would give it Sundays off if I had one. (laughs) How does this apply to us? Let's take a look. Maybe the best movie I've seen this year is Parasite. It's a South Korean film that brilliantly highlights class and economic disparities. I should note it's labeled as a black comedy thriller, so watch at your own discretion. There's a bit of a spoiler in this story, so tune out if you want to watch it, but one of the scenes that sticks with me is one of the main characters, a young wealthy man, returning home. As he ascends the set of stairs from his doorway to his living room, the three lights above him light up in succession as he walks up. He explains this phenomenon as some clever motion sensor technology that has been installed in the house. In reality, There is someone living in this man's basement that he is unaware of, who painstakingly listens to the footsteps and pushes switches for these individual lights to go on as he walks up. What the owner suspects is some technological wizardry is actually someone working hard for this luxury. What modern conveniences, foods, and technologies do you utilize every day without awareness of their cost? How is our planet and how are other humans paying for our standard of living?
Exodus 1, 6-14. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. How often have you read the story of the Exodus and identified with the Israelites? God's people, enslaved and rescued. It's sort of a macro story that can identify any Christian's journey to faith, from slavery to a cruel master to rich freedom in Christ. But how often have you read this story and identified with Pharaoh? Store cities, fear of losing your stuff, being okay with others in a low position as long as your comfort is maintained, letting others do the hard labor so that you can have your own empire. Most of us are probably more like that homeowner in Parasite than we wish, aloof and ignorant to the ways in which our country and consumer goods rely on the mistreatment of others and the earth. Does our ignorance lessen the sin? Are we any less culpable of the mistreatment of others if we didn't know? And regardless of our own sin, are those being victimized any less victimized because of our ignorance? Part of what makes our ignorance difficult and knowledge of what to do hard is the reality that we don't get our hands dirty directly. Like any smart mob boss, others take care of the messy jobs, and in our case, we let our corporations do our sinning for us. So how do we break out of this Egypt economy? How do we change the script? How do you think Sabbath could help? Sabbath tradition carried this norm. You don't buy or sell on the Sabbath. In the command to rest from work, it was obviously work to be selling, and Israel was specifically called to prepare for the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to work, or make others work. Until 1985, there were laws on the books in Canada that prohibited many businesses from operating on Sundays. Wild, I know. Ask your parents if they were in Canada then. So back to our question. How do you think Sabbath could help? First, it can stop the consumption cycle. We are raised to be consumers. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel this itch in me to go and consume. There's this impulse, even if it's just to buy a tea from Timmy's or browse the store for clothes I don't really need. Like our compulsions to digital distraction, like we talked about last week, there's a compulsion towards consumerism that's ingrained in us. On Sabbaths, it's a gift that I have to consciously think, 
oh yeah, we're not buying paint at Home Depot today, or I think the groceries can wait until tomorrow. There's also the reality that expecting 24-7 service demands a 24-7 workforce. Besides exhausting ourselves in the stream of never-ending errands and advertising, we are asking for a society without breaks. I think a second way Sabbath helps is in habit setting. Active distancing from consumerism one day a week will hopefully make you examine purchases in a new way. So much, if not all, of that desire-driven consumerism is selfish. I don't even think about where that product I want came from. You've probably heard it said, but every dollar we spend is a vote. Are you voting for good working conditions for others? For the health of the land? For clean means of production? This podcast is being released on Black Friday. Shane Claiborne observes these things about the day. Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year. In years past, a Walmart worker was trampled to death. A young woman miscarried in the shopping frenzy. Two folks were shot in the Toys R Us. Fights broke out in stores around the country as people stepped on each other to save $40 on a plasma TV. I love that there are groups that have renamed this day Buy Nothing Day. I think that's awesome, and I I think it'd be great if every week our Sabbath was known as Buy Nothing Day. Sabbath can be an invitation to change some of our consumerist habits. For some people, it might literally be a matter of life and death. There is an invitation in the book of Revelation for the people of God. Come out of Babylon, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. This week we are getting close to a full Sabbath. We want you to rest and delight for 12 hours. Embrace a full half day of digitally distanced Sabbath. Also on this Sabbath, make no purchases. Get your groceries the night before. Maybe it's helpful to not even have your wallet with you. Alongside making no purchases this Sabbath, reflect on this question. How does Jesus invite me to come out of Babylon? Babylon is a sort of archetype for the evil empires on earth that mistreat the people and the land, opposed to the gracious creator. What is one way you can stop sharing in her sins? More practically, Choose one way that you can vote with your dollars throughout the week against the injustices common in our consumer goods. Maybe that's doing your research before buying a Christmas gift for your mom. Maybe that means buying organic fair trade bananas that don't contaminate soils with pesticides. Maybe that means eating more vegetarian meals throughout the week. Ask Jesus to show you one way this week he wants you to move towards removing yourself from an Egypt economy and setting your feet more firmly in a kingdom economy. Don't be overwhelmed. Take one step at a time. Don't let perfection be the enemy of taking slow steps to living more Christ-like. Fight apathy and condemnation by loving others and resting in God's love. This has been Sabbath 101, maybe the most important course you take in university. May our Creator God Make of us a unique peoples to bless the whole world. 
May Sabbath be a way marker to lead us out of ignorant complicity with evil and towards the narrow path of right living.